Check one, two. I just checked the mic. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Great to be here. It's laundry day. That's why I look like I'm wearing fancy clothes. <laughs> I mean, that's everybody, right? Right? You, you're, you're, you wear what you wear. You've got your go-tos. And sometimes when you dress up, people are like, oh, you got a meeting? Who died? That kind of stuff. Funeral today? No, no. Laundry day. Joining me for Laundry Day, please welcome to the program, host of one of my favorite public event programs, very, very like-minded people. Uh, we both come from the same weirdo religious background. We both arrived at very secular views separately, but together. Uh, she is a warrior for public service. She is a warrior for the people of Ontario and strong-minded Canadians with a sense of uh, sensibility and social responsibility. She is a warrior for the homeless and the the dishoused, if you will, please welcome to the program, uh, the host of the O Show here in beautiful Ontario, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, uh, Miss Laura Babcock. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Babcock joins the program today. Ms. Babcock, nice to see you. How are you? Good to have you. I'm great. I'm great, Dean. I wish the world was a little better, but I personally have nothing to complain about. How about you? Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. I had like maybe one of the most peaceful holiday seasons of my life. Did you? How were the holidays? How was New Year's? How was Christmas? Do you know what? I'm a social animal. So after all the pandemic, terrible disruption of all my traditions and my go-tos, it was nice to get back out. We go out with our old school buddies, uh, you know, once a year, went to a great restaurant, had a wonderful time, had a lot of dinner party conversations like you and I talked about last time, Dean, you people did. went there. We um, <laughs> also hosted a lot at the house, you know, yeah. and uh, fascinating conversations. I just love quality time with people. I love celebrating. And then went out to New Year's Eve dancing. A buddy of ours has an awesome 90s band. And so we were dancing the night away. So I cannot complain. It was everything I love. Lots of partying, lots of good conversation. And for you. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. I, yeah, yeah, I know. I saw watching on Twitter. You're like, I'm going out tonight. Do you remember we were texting back and forth? I'm like, good yeah. luck. I got two tickets to stay in front row seats in front of my television. And you're like, I'm going out and partying. Can I tell you why? Did I tell yeah, you yeah. this last time? When I was a kid. No. So I don't know why, but I never felt like I was connected with my whole family's like religious, super no life. Because you're smarter than them. That's why. Well, you know, they always used to say, you know, you're supposed to be, you know, um, in the world, but not of it. And I'm like, what the hell is the point of that? Like, I never got that right as a concept. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was like, as a kid, I want to go like New Year's Eve. I want to count it down. I want to celebrate it. Like I knew that from like I was three years old. And one year they made us go to church. We had a new pastor and they wanted to bring in the new year at church. And, you know, of course I had to go. So I was like, okay, I'll go. I had a balloon. I'm, I'm like down in the pew. I'm watching my mom's watch. This is like in the 19, I guess, late seventies, early eighties, whatever. And I'm down there in the pew and I'm like, it's almost midnight. When is he going to like come to a talking, come to a conclusion of his, of his sermon? You know, I don't hear him building towards any kind of a stopping, but like I'm listening to this guy's speech going to a sermon going, when is he like, does he know? So I'm like trying to like, yeah, when is he, when is he going to start jacking us all up to count in yeah. the new year? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Even, like hit the 10 second before, like stop talking, get, let me yell the numbers. Right. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm down, I got a balloon under the pew and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and the the guy didn't stop. 
And he like preached through the new year. And I was like, for the rest of my life, nobody is making me miss New Year's Eve. I don't care. That's it. I think the only New Year's I've ever missed since then was just after I'd had one of my babies and I like couldn't make it to midnight. <laughs> but that's it, man. So to me, New Year's Eve is like a sacred thing. Don't take that shit away from me. I want to celebrate. I want to ring in the new year with the people I love. I want the kisses, the hugs, the whole thing. Yeah, did you do? Did you and the hubby? I know you post a lot of pictures of your husband and his incredible hair. Did you guys like have a makeout session at night, like at noon, at midnight? Did you guys like grab each other to get over here? Because it's special, like for you know, if you've been married for a long time, it's just an excuse to French kiss, right? You know what? I have friends that I've known as long as my husband, and we are all a very affectionate bunch. So once it's midnight, we're all like hugging and kissing, and you know. Really? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. in the COVID economy, huh? Way to go. Oh, Very brave. It is It is what it is, man. It's New Year's Eve. <laughs> With all the shit we go through all year, yeah. if you're not going to have that moment, that yeah. old anxiety moment or the New Year's Day moment with you two or whatever, yeah. uh, then you're like, what is the point? <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, it's funny because I was never a party guy. Needed alcohol just to be able to kind of get through a party. That was my thing. I don't drink now, so I don't really go to parties. But the parties that I've been to over the, like, the holiday season, it was like it was it was almost like a chore. It was almost yeah. a job where I'm like and I would say to the people that I would go to parties with, whether it was my significant other or my sons or whatever, I'd be like, OK, listen, here's the nod. I'm going to scratch my eye. I'm going to scratch my nose right here. And that's how you know it's time to sweetly eject from this party. It's time to get out of here. Sometimes we even do this. You know, when a pilot pulls the eject button, I'm like, hey, guys. And they're like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of here. Um, but I found that I found that it that people don't talk like they talk anymore. At parties, you know how you used to go to a party and you're like, oh, that's crazy Bob over there. He believes the earth is flat, right? Those people don't go to the same parties we go to anymore because they're either resentful or we don't invite them. And the same thing with us, right? Those people are like, hey, we're only going to party with people who think the earth is flat now. Was your party one of those or did it come with like a good cross section of people with different views who are able to get past their views into the human being that they are actually with? Do you know what? When we go out with especially old friends, they we've all diverged in our lives, right? You know, yeah. we can, we met in college uh, and we all ended up doing our thing. And we have very different viewpoints on a number of issues. And so it's fun, you know, because I, I what I do is I try to watch the line. You know, they'll, sometimes they try to provoke me because, you know, obviously I'm going to respond. Uh, sometimes it's more like they're, they're testing ground. Sometimes we don't want to talk about stuff at all. And like we, we, you know, segue into let's go, like let's party. That's what dancing's mm -hmm. for, right? It's like, you know what? I want to keep talking to you, but this song, I've got to go dance, right? So, so you know, the people I invite to my house might be more like-minded, um, but you, you can't just hang out in your own echo chamber, Dean. Like you can't. Right. Oh, I 100% agree. And I, I'm, I'm bringing up an example is that. So today I, I go to uh, I go to an appointment this morning. Right. Yeah. I, I go to this appointment, have this meeting with this gentleman and he starts talking to me about he goes. So what do you do? Like because it, it, it was just a stupid hair appointment. Yeah. It was like I did to get my hair cut. Well, your hair like, what do you do? Your it's on point. Yeah, I look good. I look like a, OK, go like on. A, like a like a pre senior snack. I've heard that's what I look like. <laughs> Like a, I actually had a conversation of, with someone that your hair is just on the edge of blonde and white. And if yeah. other people are going to go gray that we know, they want to try to get that Dean Blundell blonde thing. Because are you old? Are you young? It's hard to tell. It, I tell you what, it's a mind F for a lot of people. I call it Arctic blonde or icy oh, blonde. Either way. <laughs> there you go. You got yeah, yeah, yeah. to incorporate that. You got to lock that down, man. Arctic blonde. I love it. I do. I, it's, it's my own look. I can't let anybody else do it. Nice. So I go in to get Arctic blonde cut. 
Nice. And the guy finds out, uh, you know, what I do. And he's like, what do you do politics when you do your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, actually, we do a little bit of politics. And he goes, how about that Trudeau? Hey. And I'm like, yeah, tell me about it. And, and to the point where I'm like, this is I'm like you now where to me, those conversations are very entertaining, right? I don't have an ax to grind. I'm not there to convince anybody. I, yeah, I want the epistemology of how did you get here? How did you get to the point? And so this is what he says to me, and I'm not kidding you. And, it, and invariably, this is always the end result when I go down the question asking lane, right? Where I'm like, all right, I want to know how he got to, I hate Justin Trudeau. And the gentleman was from Turkey. Very nice gentleman. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he doesn't do anything for Canada. And I'm like, uh, can you give me examples? He goes, not really. But it's just like what I hear from my friends and stuff and what I read on the social media. And I'm like, oh, okay, do you have any like specific examples of that? He goes, yeah, I do, actually. He goes, last year he told us groceries would be cheaper by Christmas, and I paid $150 for a turkey. And I said to him, I don't think you did, actually. I don't think anybody paid $150 bucks for a turkey. But I off a local farm, all that stuff. Yeah. But I go, I said, but I did see that. That that picture online of someone paying 156 bucks for a turkey, I, I did see that. That was that was out of the states. Right, right. And he's like, "Yeah, that's the picture. Yeah, that's the one." That's and I'm like, <laughs> "So that was your turkey?" And he's like, "No, it was just like an example." And right. I'm like, "Oh, it's fascinating." I said, "So what else bothers you?" He goes, "Grocery prices. He keeps them so high." I go, "Well, yeah, that, yeah that's a problem. Grocery prices are really yeah. expensive." However, do you know anything about the supply chain? Uh, how that works. Do you know anything about I- increased shipping costs? Do you know anything about the Suez Canal blockage last year? Are you aware? Are you aware of the monopoly of grocery chain? Uh, like that feeds into it too, right? And he's like, yeah, 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 but not as bad as Trudeau. And I'm like, of course not. <laughs> like, of course right. not. Of course right. not. Because you know what? Once once you found your whipping post, you whip yeah. it right about everything. And what I would say in that conversation is to go, you know what? I too am pissed about those grocery prices. And I was glad to see that Trudeau's guy, Champlain, called in or whoever it was called in the groceries guys and said, yeah. you know, we've got to make this better. Is it enough? No, but I'm glad he's actually doing something about it. That's how I would leave it, right? Yeah, right. I know. And it's funny because you can find common ground in there, but I had to watch my body language instead of going, really, tell me more. I, th- I felt like I was going, really, tell me yeah. everything. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> Do you know what? But I, I, I'm legitimately curious about how people come to their beliefs, yeah. because if there's any thing that's important in their beliefs that is uh, deleterious to them or to our society. And I have an opportunity to maybe address that with them. I need to understand how they got there. Right. And so just like you did. So it's like, okay, no, no, that makes sense where you would get that from. Do you often get your stuff from there? Do you look anywhere else for news? Did you know? And then I'll add in like a little, just a little, did you consider or did you know, you know, and like, for instance, I heard someone the other day say, you know what, I, I think it's great that you're out there helping the poor, but, uh, the fact is it's it's we've got too many refugees coming in and if we didn't and then i'll say to them okay well let's talk about that why are immigration so high do you know we need it for our economy we literally need people to come in and help our population grow they need to pay we need people to pay into our pension so that when you retire you know it's there for you the way that you expect we also need a lot of the skills it's also the right thing to do we're a large country and there are people around the world who are in need and that's part of our responsibility as humans do we have a good structure around that when they come in i don't think so we clearly don't have what they need or they wouldn't be in the shelter system they don't want to be in the shelter system and then i'll say you know i interviewed a guy the other day who's an expert in this more than i am i'll send you the link if you got time check it out um because you're absolutely right there's there's a real strain on our system and it would be wonderful if everyone who wanted to come to this country and work could do that 
and it would be wonderful if we had all the things that they expect when they get here. Um, and, and everyone who lives here has adequate access to food and housing. I'm on page with you. Like, cause that's all true, right? It's all true. Uh, there's, there's problems with the immigration system. There's people don't understand the targets. They don't understand why Trudeau wants that many people. They don't understand why refugees should seem to get priority over others. What, so you, you can say absolutely our system yeah. needs to be improved. Imagine being a family that is told they can come to Canada and they're thinking it's going to be a chance to like make a new life for themselves, send money home, work their butts off. And then they're sitting in the rain on the street in Toronto for three weeks with their kids going, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it's not fair to them. It's not fair to our country. It's not fair to the people who need those services who are already here. Um, so when I hear stuff like that, even though the first instinct is to sometimes go, why are you blaming refugees? It's not their fault. Rather than saying that, it's like, okay, well, I see what you're saying. Why mm. should they be in the shelter system? They don't want to be. We don't want them to be. That's not why they came. What's wrong with our shelter system, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, fascinating because, you know, the, the economy of what you've just done there, significantly longer than having an emotional reaction. And it requires more effort, right, to actually ask a question and have that as opposed to the emotional reaction, which you see also, a lot of where people get together and they're like, I think this. And the other person's yeah. like, go fuck yourself. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're, but they're, they're frustrated by the same things, yeah. right? Yeah. They're just blaming something because that's an obvious thing to blame. But, you know, we work in this business, you know, we, we spend a lot of time. I think Kathleen Wynn said to me on the O show recently, um, something like where I'm upset. What'd she say? Like I have some sort of an obsession or like that we are in this level of, I forget the exact terminology, but it, it's a psychosis of some kind, right? We're into it. So if I got to spend my time constantly seeing all of this shit and all these complaints and all these problems, yeah. the least I can do when I'm sitting with someone is to say, okay, I can, I can, I can see why you feel that way and why you think that this is the cause there are other factors like you did with the guy in the groceries right like hello supply sure. chain right yeah you know? yeah. yeah 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 hello <laughs> supply chain hello monopolies hello profit taking hello greed hello basic need for entrepreneurial greed in this country hello we don't have any racketeering racketeering laws in this country i mean like it is on and on and on there are a bunch of different reasons and 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 to your point you know, there's a commonality there. And I think you can bring a lot of these things together. Like I found commonality with a gentleman who has a completely different perspective than me to that point, because we are all frustrated by the same things, cost of living, uh, affordability, homelessness, to your point. And I know that's something you talk about quite a bit. Right. And, and it's funny how even that becomes a cudgel. And I want to kind of lean into the difference of narrative when it comes to what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're reading, because David Menzies comes to mind. Uh, and the red hot he story comes to your mind. He never comes to mind. <laughs> I just say it. Never on the radar. <laughs> David Menzies is not on your. He's on everybody's radar over the past like 24, 48 hours, right? Only, only um, if you only if you jump to that stuff, which I do not. <laughs> no, I don't either. Um, and that's a really good way to explain it: jumping to something. And I've been. You know, my eyes are open. I think your eyes are open, too, when it comes to narratives that get put out. You're a PR professional. You have clients you work with on messaging. Um, the second this happened, I knew what it was. You knew what it was. You knew it was a joke. You knew it was an operation, not only because you've seen this and it's boring at this point. You've seen it from Rebel News and David Menzies for almost a decade. You know what? Listen, where, listen here's the point. I've known... 
I've known David professionally from shows we've done for more than a decade, I want to say. And there is a there is an art to that. Did the question have some legitimacy? Maybe sure. Was it taking the time to talk to someone who needs to answer questions, someone in authority? Sure. Um, did the whole thing and the way it was put together seem to me like, you know, uh, I was I was asked once by a producer to do something like that. And I said, I won't. And they said to me, because they were from broadcast and I was still in cable. And they said, you know, you will never make it in this business if you don't act like that. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Now, 30 years later, I don't know where the fuck they are, but I'm here, right? So <laughs> like my point is, it's a style, it's a choice. It's yeah. great for clickbait. It's great for numbers, it's great for fundraising, like have at. But I don't jump to that ship. I don't comment on it. I don't get upset by it. It's like, whatever do do you i've got more important things to focus on like things that are really really concerning to me and i don't mm -hmm. need to, to chase and and you know and have props and all that stuff if that's what you want to do do it uh there's an audience for it for sure but i'm a canadian and i don't think i've ever been to any of those sites i don't think i've ever checked out a single link i don't care like i care about homeless people i care yeah. about crisis in our healthcare system. I care about holding politicians to account. Maybe that's what he does too. I don't know. Um, but I'm just saying that's not how I go about it. So I don't mm. bother looking at it, you know? Well, let's watch the video because it is front page oh, news I everywhere. Yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> you owe me for this shit, D. Yeah, I do. I, I needed a compatriot today. I needed a partner in crime, someone I could rinse right. this through. So uh, but we'll watch it together now. Now, and then we'll get to the, the fallout from it. But we'll, let's set it up. Uh, Rebel News is a faux news outlet. They're really a lobby group. Uh, and this is just me talking, and I can prove this. Everybody I, can prove. So. I don't know. I've never checked it out. So. No, no, I know you haven't. I'm not speaking for you. I'm letting you out of this part of the conversation. That's yeah. the whole point. I'm checking myself out. Girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Rebel News is a shithole. Rebel News is a, a fake news organization that makes money via donations and they create fake news. And I'll prove it. We'll get one of their employees on to comment on it in just a second. Uh, so you can actually see behind the veil as well. Um, but I, I wanted to bring this up. So what they do is they create stories. They create conflict. Uh, they misrepresent conflict. And then they give the, the content of that conflict through misrepresentation to their political partners or to their paid partners to use to go, oh, my God, Canada is a tyrannical shithole. Oh, my God, Justin Trudeau is a terrible human being. Oh, my God, look at these woke assholes. Oh, my God, I can't believe the convoy has been broken up after being there for three weeks and people taking a dump in the streets. This is tyrannical. That is what they are. They're part of the alt-right media ecosystem. David Menzies is a fake news reporter. I call him a crisis actor uh, who was a reporter in his old life, and he has been arrested and done this crisis act in creating conflict for the past decade. He's been arrested at a Melissa Lanceman event, an Andrew Shear event. He's been arrested in Montreal where he was, he literally pushed a cop and Ezra Levent was like, charge him, screaming, charge him. I've got all the receipts. I'll put them up here in just a second. This happened in front of our deputy prime minister, Christian Freeland, the other day. She's going into a meeting. Uh, David Menzies in terrible faith as a point of intuition as part of the strategy that that Rebel News and David Menzies employ, then got in her face. He bumped into a, a, one of her security detail and he was accosted. Um, this has happened several times. You can go to crier.co, check out the video where you can see every single time this has happened over the past seven years. This is a documented action that he does on a daily basis. So let's watch this.
and then we'll get into the, the further aspects of this, deciding whether or not this is even news. Okay, let's watch this together. Ms. Freeland, how come the IRDC is not a terrorist group? Why is your government supporting Of course, he's got it on video. That's the whole point. That is the whole point. Let's watch a little there bit were, more. Were, feet were shuffling so now it appeared that way. That's what you're saying, officer. Well, it appeared that was pushing people. I wasn't. I, I didn't touch a single person. That was a little bit aggressive for what was happening. Get that. You got it. Got, you're under arrest. Please okay. take the microphone out of my face. Well, oh, I, I'd like- so there you go. Um, it goes on for another like minute, minute and a half. Um, and this is. I missed the person I was before you made me watch that. Like I missed that because <laughs> now I got that shit in my head that I got to like keep. Listen, <laughs> you know what? Like, honestly, in, in my mind and we'll see whatever they do. But like, does the cop not know better? Like it's 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 a shtick. You know, it's a shtick mm-hmm. question. Legitimate question. The style of doing it, not my style. It's a shtick. And why would the cop just fall for that bait so fast? Like, I didn't see anything there that looked, in my opinion, that could warrant an arrest. Um, but I do think that the cop walked right into the moment, right? And if Rebel News is going to fundraise off of that, they got the clip. So, I mean, I just, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't, I don't, I never clicked on that when it was going everywhere. I didn't, I don't think I posted about it because I'm like, I know it's a shtick. And if it works for them and it gets their message across and if it feeds their political parties that they may or may not be working with or whatever, like, that is not, that is not a surprise, what I care about and what but isn't I, it bad faith? Oh, it's a shtick. Like yeah, I, but that shtick is bad faith, Laura. Is it not? Well, like, like well, it is bad faith. Define bad faith. You know, I, like, I will. I will. I will. Let me get. Let me. And I want to run this by it. Okay. Um, this happened what four years ago? Menzies arrested an Andrew Shear conservative event. Right. That happened four years ago. Uh, this happened in Peel. Bumped into a police officer four years ago. Ezra challenged Peel cops, saying, "Quote, arrest him." Uh, they immediately started to go fund me for that as well. Uh, then it happened last year where he allegedly bumped into a Trudeau RCMP detail for money, uh, calling it the Trudeau tyranny initiative. Uh, then he did it uh, again in Montreal at a COVID event, again, talking about COVID tyranny. Uh, then he did it again at a Ron McLean availability. Uh, same thing. Uh, then he did it again in Montreal. Then he did it again to Melissa Lanceman, and that was three years ago when she launched her campaign. Again, arrested for, as he points out, doing nothing wrong, practicing journalism. Uh, there's There he is at the Andrew Shear event. And each one of these came with a GoFundMe that was set up the day before the actual event happened, including this one, Laura. 
including this one. This GoFundMe, this StandWithDavid.com, which they do all the time. And I know it's you're hilarious. saying you don't. Yeah, like, I know it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Like I did you know. shows with, I did shows. You can check Charles L or, or um, not uh, Charles, uh, Michael Corn back in the day. One time Menzies showed up with like a Hannibal Lecter mask when we were in a debate. One time he showed up with my, I think a printout of my license plate or Barbie. I don't like, this is what he does. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care. I don't take it seriously. And you know what? I don't give the airtime to stuff I don't take seriously. Well, this is my point is that I don't take them seriously either. I think it's hilarious. I, I'm not angry about any of it. It's all the people out there they're telling to take this seriously. I know, but that's you know the what? problem. And then what happens when they when people say this is serious and it's not shtick, right. then the guy who wants to be prime minister, Pierre Polyev, has yeah. taken this and he has started to tweet about Justin Trudeau's media tyranny in this country. Now that is worth pushing back on, right? Thank but you. So, but I don't care about whatever any of these platforms are up to. I don't check them out. I don't look at them. I don't watch their their stuff. I don't read their columns. I really don't care. Like you have to be an idiot to do it. So I know that you don't. But people can come back at me and say, well, you know, why on the O show? Like the clip I just posted for this week's show about, you know, homelessness and what our mayor, Andrea Horvath, ain't doing and, you know, what she should be doing. I didn't put out a clip of me going, well, you know, if we look at the record, that's not what I did. I like leaned in the camera and I said, people are begging for you to give a shit. Get your ass to Queen's Park effectively. So yeah, I mean, that's the truth. Uh, it is the truth, but you can accuse, but you know, his questions were legitimate questions in the sense of like, why is the government following certain policies? Is it driving towards a narrative? Whatever. What I'm saying is that there's always going to be an audience for that kind of, I'm not, I, I don't want to really call it journalism, but the question was legit. It's the rest of it. I just find it's, it's like a combo of journalism and, and K it's like, you know, it's, it's whatever. It's Isn't shit. it LARPing as journalism? What's that? Isn't it, isn't it not, I don't know if it's a combo. I would look at it and I respect your opinion greatly. But is it a question to a leader who has to answer questions? And the question was not like, when did the aliens land in Trudeau's backyard? And why are you talking about it? It yeah. wasn't something ridiculous. And you know what? And people care about the edges of that issue. So listen, I've never been one for that style. And the yeah. people who think that that is, you know, where it's at with journalism in Canada, I would just, I would beg to disagree. There are better sources for news. However, when you have a leader of a party, an elected official who I hold to a higher standard than I ever would David Menzies or anybody else, uh, I look at it and I say, okay, so you're leveraging this. And so that's where I would feel comfortable responding to Polyev and saying, you know, I didn't see his tweet, but if I did, I would be, I would look at it and say, okay, now, now this is different because now you're leveraging something over here. And if you're positioning it as something it's not, then we need to have a conversation about it. That's, that's what gets me, right? I don't like it when politicians like use this kind of stuff. And if they use it and they're being misleading in any way, then I'm going to talk about it. But as for like, <laughs> this is more time than I've thought about men's in 20 years. And I blame you. <laughs> I know. I know. It speaks to disinformation and misinformation, which yeah, as you know, is my major issue. I, right? And it's mine too. But I yeah. mean, like, it's, you know, it's a tool that we've seen used in the U S so much. Okay. But now that it's in Canada, I don't love it. Dean. No, I know you don't. I know you don't, but let me, let me just, let me drill down. Right. Okay. So, because I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that has to connect dots for things to make sense. I need full context. And I would agree with you in principle that this is shtick, right? Where it becomes 
dangerous yeah. is when that shtick is coordinated and that shtick is then used by their partners, in this case, the Conservative Party of Canada and Pierre Polyev, who put out a tweet about this yesterday, talking about censorship and media tyranny in this country, which he did. So then you're, he dis- you're making an assertion that their partners, I don't know that. What I do know, what I do know is that politicians can choose to leverage anything. They can totally. comment on anything. So when I see a politician make a choice to leverage a particular news story, a particular yeah. event like that, um, Polyev with the bridge, right? It was a car crash, and and he and he tried to leverage it as as did Fox News, right? So my point is, when I see leveraging of events or of incidents like that uh, towards a particular narrative, a narrative that I don't think is legitimate or uh, or is actually harmful, then yeah, I'm gonna pipe the fuck up. But just the actual theater of it, you know, I, I don't like to give that oxygen. No, I know you don't. And I appreciate that. And I don't either. But that theater has now been turned into another operation to suck money out of hillbillies. And let me put this on the screen. Um, <laughs> well, I thought where... that was a thing for your lawsuits. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind talking about that either, as you can tell. The point is, yeah. you know, fundraising. I'm getting a lot of it these days. Yeah, I know you are. I know you are. Um, but we're fundraising for something real. Uh, This is a fundraiser, as you pointed out. This is on the back of the video, which is pure bullshit. It is what Ezra and Menzies do, saying, Dean, this is unacceptable. After eight years of Justin Trudeau, citizens and journalists who disagree with him are being censored and arrested. That is not happening. And then he asked me for money. Donate here. Help us. Freedom of speech. Hang on. Let me just say this. If we were censored and didn't have freedom of speech, how the fuck did David Menzies get within a, a, a an arm hair of the deputy prime minister of Canada to ask her if Islamo-Nazism was a thing in this country? Right. So that term, like, uh, there's, there's a lot of crap around all of this, right? I'm not saying that this is, it's just, I think... Does do certain people buy into it? Is it easily clickable? Is it easy to feel outrage and to feel like there are people who are part of the rebellion or whatever and are fight? Sure, right? And that's going to happen. And so, what I think is important is when it gets to the level of it being leveraged in the national conversation by people with, you know, reputations and authority, like the leader of the of the official opposition whose house we pay for with our taxes. Yeah, that matters to me. And I want to address that argument and that narrative at that level. The this this this, you know, in some ways, some of it might be manufactured, some of it's mayhem, some of it happened and the cop was I think, you know, all the cops in Canada, have we not had enough of this yet? Have we not figured this out? <laughs> like how many years does it take to figure out how people can get a rise, right? Whoever it is. Like, like we're in a media world now. Everyone's got a phone. It's like when it reminds me of a police arrest I saw years ago when iPhones were just kind of a thing. And the cop said to the people filming this arrest, uh, you know, put those phones away or else. I'm and I'm like looking at it going, did you not take your social media training? Do we not do that with our police? Like, in other words, as a PR person who sees maybe the games played a little more clearly than maybe some people don't, other consumers, yeah, it's like educate police forces on how to deal with protest, how to deal with this style of reporting, right? How to deal with outlets, whoever they are. I mean, it could be, it could be, there could be a CBC reporter who's acting like that. Like, learn what's going on and what they're looking for and that it's going to be leveraged. And if you don't want to be a part of that particular 
shtick, then then don't, right? There's a better way mm-hmm. to handle things. And so I think when I watch that, what I think is Freeland knew to duck out of the shot, <laughs> you know, get in the door. Smart move going right when everybody yeah. was going left. Well, she had her elevator moment in Saskatchewan, in Alberta or wherever it was. Yeah, like yeah, she doesn't yeah. want to go through. She, she knows to walk past. She doesn't have to answer the question, but, you know, people have the right to ask it. Yes, in a country as free as Canada to get that close to number two in the federal government, we are a pretty free country and our journalists are treated pretty damn well. I mean, look at the record number of journalists who have been killed just in the Israeli Hamas conflict. And it, 40? Did I see 40 the other day? At least 40 journalists. Have been killed it's more? absolutely sickening. There are journalists who are dying to cover real stories and deal with real issues. And so they're the journalists who I'm going to spend time looking at what they put out. Let me put it that way, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, They're real journalists. So is Rebel News a real outlet? I don't fucking know. I don't read Rebel News. I don't know David's history of journalism school. <laughs> I wasn't in school with him. I love I how salty you got when I asked you to tell me if you're a real news outlet. I don't care. Because you know what? Like, what is what is real news? To yeah. me, real news is journalist-based information. It's a, and it's a person with journalism training. If it's if it's going to be like journalism, you got to have some training. You got to follow certain principles, right? Got to check for sources. I find a lot of journalists who have training are too quick to try to get the clickbait on their story that they editorialize their tweet. I don't like that, right? So it's real journalists. Like like if we're gonna go old school purist, a lot of journalists are not being. What, like with the hat, with the hat and the thing on the side of it that says press. You know, when everybody used to talk like this, you say, ah, I got the scoop, you say. I'll, okay. I'll tell you how it goes. Like if you're if you're asking, as a real journalist at one time in my life, yes, I would go in and pitch the stories that I'd sourced in the community from the conversations I'd had, you know, talking to people. Uh, some of them got picked up because they were newsworthy. Some weren't. There would be other newsworthy stories coming across the wire to localize or stuff that our producers had heard about saying, no, Laura, today you're assigned this. I would say, okay, who can I find to talk about it? How many perspectives on this can I get? Uh, And then I would go and do long interviews. And I'd say, how do I, with my responsibility, try to put together, stitch together something that's 90 or 30 or, or, you know, uh, to tell the stories honestly and as truthfully as I've heard it considering the perspectives without editorializing and then i would write it and then it would go through a lawyer it took all damn day okay there was no twitter so there was no pressure from the other reporters that might have been at the same scrum or at the same event to beat them because we were all coming up on the six o'clock so they would go through their process i'd go through mine it would all air at the same time viewers could pick when they wanted to watch it and who they believed and who they trusted now there is this insane this is even before 24 cable news right i'm dating myself here but the advent of 24 cable certainly amped it all up the advent of twitter and having reporters and journalists being at live news events and trying to capture the story before any of that before any reviews legal all that stuff i mean so i don't think a lot of what we're seeing is like pure well-done journalism and that's why i credit the ones who i do see getting the sources and doing the hard work and the research right so if you're going to ask me what's real news, what's real journalism in 2024, you know, that's that's a pretty hard benchmark. Is Now, is fact important? A hundred percent. And I think fact, but how'd you get to that fact? How many times did I say to you, we've only done two pods? 
I, I'm like, well, you're saying that, but I don't know that's true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't ascribe to your characterization of things yeah, yeah. because I haven't done the research or I haven't got the facts. Well, so that just makes you responsible, right? Like I don't go into lanes that I don't know anything about. And and that's great. And, and good yeah. for you. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to accept the shit you're saying just because you're hosting me for an hour. I will. I will. Okay. That's what you say, but I don't know. Are they fake news or real news? I don't know. I have not done a deep dive into their site. I haven't looked at all their stories. I haven't compared them to other stories. I haven't checked the journalistic credentials of these organizations. But do I know a false narrative when I see one? Yeah, and I'll jump on the narrative. But I'm, I'm not in the business of saying, these are real, these are fake, these are real, this is fake, this is real, this is fake. I'm in the business of saying, what is going on in our country? Who is being hurt by it? How can I help? disavow the myths or deconstruct the arguments or hold those people with authority to account. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think totally. the horse is out of the barn on, on what is news. People, most, most people get, I just listened to a big thing this morning in the US. Most people are, young people under 25 are getting their news from TikTok, which is, you know, not even an a, a not ideal. And it's not domestically owned at all, right? So <laughs> who's driving the editorial narrative and the algorithms of TikTok? And yet it is our major source of news. So we are so far past the point of real fake news. It's a gigantic blur. Everyone jumps to their own bias, their own narrative bias. Everybody wants confirmation bias. Everyone wants their own rabbit holes and their own you know, reinforcement of their own beliefs and their own view. We are there now, right? Yeah, so, someone told someone once said to me, you know, like people don't want information anymore; they want affirmation. Affirmation. They want entertainment. Back yeah. to the whole shtick, you know. Well, you know? <laughs> let let me. I know. I love that little. Yeah, they want the whole. Hey, just tell me I'm right, just for a second, because I heard this thing and I believe How it. How many I just of us heard it. watch? Okay, you know the guy who jumped over the bench, uh, the at the judge, the guy in the states who yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah, the female judge, yeah, yeah. yeah so not only did that go viral, because like it's like, wow, that's insane and scary and holy cow what a leap right mm -hmm. but then when i did a follow-up i saw a follow-up news story about the charges and i showed my daughter she goes oh mom you got to check it out it's a it's a trend on tiktok and i'm like what do you mean and there's like a million different versions of the superman jump and some of it is hilarious and it's like it is so do, does anyone know why he was in court or what the, the charges were afterwards or the impact all it's, it's this joke on TikTok of people like starting off and flying over desks, right? So my point is, we are not where we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, right? And so I don't like to sit and, and, and kind of go, oh, you know, who's taking advantage of all the opportunities in front of us? I like to look at it and say, what are people believing? How is it impacting the way they treat others and they vote? Is there something that I can do to inform that conversation in a way that gets eyeballs and the attention economy? But sticks to my principles and my training as a journalist that's 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 where i, I put my my effort so if these people want to make money or build these oh lost you laura 38 i'll edit it um lost your internet connection we'll just remove you The Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by factcheck.io. Factcheck.io, makers of the world's most comprehensive fact-checking software. 
that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter if it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information so that you can give yourself agency over information in the age of disinformation. Again, want to beta test their product? They're going to launch it in the next month or two. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K. Io. Back to the show. As always, the Dean Blundell Show is brought to you by our friends at factcheck.io. Factcheck.io. Do you believe? The good people at FactCheck are a quorum of software professionals, psychological professionals, journalists that have been very busy building some software so that you can fact check anything that you read. It doesn't matter. If it's got a URL, you'll be able to fact check it. Alternative sources, origins, whether or not it was an organic or inorganic campaign, whether or not you can trust the people that are putting out the information and alternative sources, and there's going to be a weapon button too, where you can turn that information around and put it back out there accurately to combat disinformation. The good people at factcheck.io are right now testing their beta version of their free program. Yes, it will be free for anybody who wants to use it. They want to battle disinformation because it is a problem. Go to factcheck.io today. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K.io. The world's most robust fact-checking disinformation software for news, social media, video, print, anything spoken word. These people are on the tip. And they use some of the finest software technology to be able to give you the advantage when it comes to getting agency back in your life, when it comes to information that you read. Go to factcheck.io today for more information. Sign up for the beta test, F-A-K-T-C-H-E-K dot I-O. I missed you. Oh, sorry about that. Well, I don't know. It just like, I don't know if my laptop overheated or what, but we're back. <laughs> I don't know what happened either, but you were on a fucking heater. Um, I can pick it back up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, please, please pick it back up. Go ahead. 
Uh, remind me of my last exact word I said, sir. I've got all these. Uh, the, the, you started to cut out um, when we were, you, you basically were talking about, you know, who's news and who isn't and yeah. how people, you know, the people that you talk to. Yeah, yeah, get that gloss on. I got to do the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Go> on, <man. laughs> it is a visual medium. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so here's my point, Dean, is yes. that there is a lot of bullshit flooding the zone, mm -hmm. right? Some might be legit. Some might be bullshit. Sometimes what I produce might be more bullshitty than the other stuff that I do. I don't spend my time looking at every single news source and saying, oh, you know, I did enough of that with Fox News 10 years ago. Like enough. What I care about is given that everyone can choose their own rabbit hole, given yeah. that everyone can be a part of their own echo chamber, everyone can get the news they want to affirm and reaffirm and inform if they want, but mostly entertain. Affirm. There's affirm. There's no point in in wasting my time worrying about that because that is like the horse is so far out of the barn we can't even see its butt anymore. Like it's gone. What we have to look at now and say, okay, what narratives matter? What are people believing? You know what? How, like I heard something this morning that said that um, there is some you know promotion around Osama bin Laden's wisdom or whatever going on. And you're like looking at that for those of us who live through 9-11 going, what? How? But here's the point. There's People can promote and get eyeballs and get attention and come up with insidious messaging and can flood the zone and there's algorithms. And like we are beyond the point of being able to control that. Yeah. So what we're at the point of doing now is saying, okay, can still, as long as we have a democracy, control voting. Can still, like my vote, I get to control that, right? Sure, yep. Um, How you respond to this publicly, you can control that. Exactly. Um, we are in a free society, mm -hmm. and we, our journalists are treated very well. Pierre mm -hmm. Polyev, uh, I wish you treated them better in the way that you answer their questions. A little bit more decorum and respect, I think, would even play better for you. Maybe not with the base, but certainly with the Canadians, you're going to want to court if we ever go to a general election. You like people. smarter people in the 905? Well, when I say smarter people, I mean women. Well, just like you look at that and you go, really? Like if you got to, if you're, if you're, if you're so good with your point, mm -hmm. if the point is so valid, if your position is so authoritative, if your values are so necessary and if your solutions are so powerful, then why do you got to, why do you got to talk down to people? Like to me, you immediately. Why do you got to run away from those? And why do you got to not give the media availability? If you're so sure that what you're doing is right for Canadians, why are you not willing to talk to everybody about it? Right. So, yeah. I mean, so that is calculated strategic communications, right? Yeah. What gets clickbaits? What is the base one? How do we feed them? How do we feed our socials? How do we leverage content from other uh, content? How do we fundraise off of it? How do we get names and email lists? I mean, it's all the dark arts. It's right in front of our face. Everybody's doing it. They're doing it at a level we've never seen in Canada. But any of us paying attention have seen it in the last 10 years in the U.S. And I'm more worried. Every, I go to bed every night worried about the election in the U.S. more than anything else because I know it's going to have massive repercussions for Canada. But it's the same tactics, right? Mm -hmm. And and if anyone, I didn't. I used to find Rachel Meadow hard to watch. I was not a fan. But now that she's only doing one day a week and she's really focusing that hour on like super heavy important content, the one this week, if if your viewers can catch it, she talked brilliantly. And she's just written a book about how the authoritarian messages that Trump mm -hmm. is using. Um, she takes it down to a technical, te to a technical tactical level and talks about not just what their historic context and the risk is, but why they 
work, why they are so successful. Mm. Uh, and it's and like I can't do her justice. People who care about authoritarianism should listen to her one hour the other night on her pod about about how it is being used, how this language worked for Hitler, worked for Mussolini, how it's being used in the US. You know, and I said to you, I think last time, if I ever see that shit in Canada anywhere close, I will be like banging the drums and, uh, you know, to warn people of it. it. It's insidious, it's effective, it's tactically efficient, I think is the word she used. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not, I'm less fired up about how chaotic and unfair and manipulative communications are these days, Dean, and all these different platforms. I'm more interested in the, in where the results are coming. And if people are believing things, how do you present something that is equally compelling, but more accurate, more helpful, more just, more equitable, more compassionate, right? Mm -hmm. So, I'm not going to waste time getting upset because Menzies does this or whatever site does whatever or claims they're whatever. I'm more interested in, okay, our Canadians, like Brittlestar did a brilliant takedown on Polyev's weirdo, Polyev did that weird ass. Oh, the expert brainy thing? Yeah, oh yeah, where he's like, hey, listen, so never the been brainy people want to run your life. The experts <laughs> want to tell you what to do like doctors and electricians. Fuck that. Do it all yourself. And I'm like, wow, that's... <laughs> That's lightning is going to power my laptop, right? Come on. <laughs> it's, it's crazy shit, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. effective. They, and I, my, my response to that, which I think got a lot of pickup was, uh, you know, the, it was a strategy because I've mm -hmm. listened to the Brexit strategies, right? Um, it was a strategy in Brexit before Brexit leading up to it to discredit experts, right? Mm -hmm. That very, that very deliberate discrediting of the expert class. So if you can stop listening to doctors and to scientists and to everybody else and believe that you have equal amount of knowledge, then suddenly when they try to weigh in on populist, let's say policies that might be crazy, uh, you don't care because you're like, well, I'm as smart as them. Experts are just, you know, overpaid whatevers. So they did that. They, they laid the groundwork psychologically for people to discredit expertise and feel as though the experts were actually, rather than the bulwarks of society, were actually the ones who were pushing the elites. Them down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them yeah. Down, right? Yeah. Yep. And so when you feel pushed down and you feel disrespected, hells yeah. I mean, one of the dumbest things Hillary Clinton's ever said in her entire life was basket of deplorables, you know, worse than saying I stand by my man, whatever that nonsense was on the couch years ago, that basket of deplorables thing was like, yeah. oh, as soon as I heard it. And when Albright said, you know, anyone who doesn't, any woman who doesn't vote for Hillary, uh, there's a special place in hell. I'm like, are you trying to lose this freaking campaign? Yeah. Like, I like, so Oh, I just hate that shit. But the point is, there was a narrative that was laid before Brexit. And then that same discrediting of experts and pushing down other people to feel like they're a different class, uh, that hurts people a lot, right? And we saw it with the guns and God and guns with Obama. These comments that make people think you don't respect me, you don't understand me, therefore I don't respect your education or your opinion. And then these populist leaders get right in the middle of that and say, well, you know what? You're the extraordinary people. You're the, you know. You the, catch lightning from the sky and put lightning. it in copper wires. Right. Like, and, and you're, you know, you're the farmer who understands the science of God and sky. Whatever that was with the weird Jesus messianic lighting effect was like, 
oh, seriously, Canada, we're there now. Like yeah, we're, yeah. we're full on Trump with this shit. Like, well, and this is so and this is the thing, Laura. And I point back to Brittle Star handled it brilliantly. Oh, it was awesome. But yeah. that was that's what we need to do. Instead mock of freaking it? Out, yeah, well, but mock it from a like Brittle Star is he doesn't feel like he's talking down to people, right? Because I don't think he does. Yeah, I don't but think he, he what he does is he he creates um, a skit. He creates yeah, uh, uh, like a two minute bit where yeah. he really kind of in layman's terms is like, okay, so like I guess yeah, we're here to talk about not having any experts, doctors. Forget it. We don't like you. That kind of stuff. It, 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 and it takes kind of the sting out of it. It does. But, but when you look at that information that was given to us by Pierre Polyev in that case, which is like, hey, these brainy people, these so-called experts want you to do like doctors want you to go to the doctor. Don't believe them. Just do it yourself. Eat some dirt. You're going to be fine. That kind of thing. Catching like eat your dirt. Yeah, it's it's all part of the same thing and the same talking points get represented by the same people, influencers, outlets that are aligned with you know, the special interests of whatever political party, in this case, the conservative party that's delivering this complete insanity. To your point, talking about whether or not it's real, it amazes me that people think it is. Former rebel employee Callan Robertson, who we've had on the show before, was on CNN a while back. And what he did was he sort of let the cat out of the bag about rage content, about fake content about content that delivers the result that you and I are talking about, which is how do you get people to think that you are in a tyrannical society or your life is no good. And the only thing that you need is for the people that are keeping you under their thumb to fuck off. Right. Right. I want to play this for you because it's very prescient. I've had Callan on the show. He's a wonderful young man out of England. Uh, let's watch this together. This is uh, him on CNN last year. Joining us. So you specialize in getting these far right clips to go viral. So what was the formula that you found worked best? Well, when I first started all this, I had been consuming radical content on YouTube for about six months after the Orlando shooting. I remember I typed that theme into YouTube and was inundated with YouTube videos from Rebel Media and One America News Network, tight channels, uh, and ended up going down that rabbit hole. I ended up becoming a correspondent for Rebel Media, of which I obtained millions of views. And my boss always told me, and the bosses of these other organizations always told me, that we should never let the truth get in the way of a good story. And if we can get people angry, and if we can get people upset, that we can make more money, we can make more profit, and we can drive the algorithms to, to keep pushing these videos. It's what made me feel very disenfranchised and end up speaking out about it all in the end. But as someone who really believed in it and believed that, you know, free speech was under attack and that the West was being invaded and all these ideas that they were pushing, I really felt that if I had to take part in disinformation and take part in bending the truth, that it was for the greater good. But actually, mm. my bosses and the people at the top of this ecosystem, from Newsmax and all these organizations, from Project Veritas, which collaborated with Rebel at the, at the time, it was all fair game because the left were just so terrible. But actually, the kind of tactics that they were engaged in, and even myself now looking back were engaged in, were far worse than the quote-unquote liberal media and CNN and any of these groups ever took part in. It was completely devoid of any realism or any journalism. We would go to quote-unquote no-go zones in 2018 when Fox News would hype up that whole situation. And we would create conflict and then selectively edit it 
to look like those areas were far more dangerous than they were. Those videos would obtain millions and millions of views. Again, I regret that massively. The only reason mm -hmm. I did it was because I was radicalized by those people and felt like it was for the greater good and it was a bit of a cult. But those people profited massively from it and it was always about boosting disinformation. Alex Jones, who I spent a lot of intimate time with and a lot of the people that employed me, told me openly that they thought the whole Pizzagate stuff and the pedophile stuff and all huh. the stuff that they were pushing is, is something that they don't really care about or really believe in. But it whips up their audience into anger and it gets them to buy products on their news night. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that. I mean, I hate that. I hate that that happens. I'm glad he's exposing it. Maybe I'm a little jaded because I feel like I've known that for a long time because I've been paying attention to the U.S. analysis of when that mm. started down there. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, so for me, I, I'm a little past the outrage at, that it's happening. To me, it's like baked in the cake of where are we? Almost like you're in disbelief that other people don't know this already, so you don't spend time on it. That right. kind of thing. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, and that's where I'm coming from. Now, he he was speaking about a whole bunch of different places and a whole bunch of different things and didn't name anybody. So I'm not sitting here on your podcast saying that any single individual you might have yeah. mentioned in this show is not a journalist or engaging in these behaviors, right? But the fact that that stuff works on social media for people who don't know that they're not social media literate for people who don't understand that that's what happens in a lot of places, they don't get it. You know what? And this whole idea of when he said it's way worse than the liberal media. Um, yeah, there are news organizations that certainly, you know, try to go through rigorous process, but there's also bias, right? There's also mistakes. There's also, you can get a bad producer or, or, or sure. you know, news director who's an ass who wants you to do stuff. I mean, I've had lots of fights with news directors going like, I ain't coming. You? You yeah. used to fight with news directors? No oh, way. <laughs> yeah, no, go figure, right? Um, but I just, I can't, like, nobody's going to make me do something I don't want to do. And you can hear from, I think his name's Colin. Was it Colin? You know, I Callan Robertson, great young man. He's got his own media company in London, England. It's a burgeoning little media company. They do an amazing job. They're very accountable, good people. I love it. Yeah. I do. I do an international pod uh, with a guy out of England. I'll ask him if he knows Callum because I have mad respect for Callum uh, yeah. for what he said there and for taking the personal accountability of having done things that he knew were harmful, yeah. right? And so, what I would, you know, profit motive sometimes is very powerful. What I would hope. Anybody watching this podcast who might be involved in the content creation and promotion ecosystem, I'm not even calling it the media anymore because it's so much bigger than that and it's so much individualized. Smart. That's very smart. Yeah, if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're involved in the content creation distribution ecosystem, because that's where we are now, yeah. um, just think about it and say, do you want to be in a position of Callum in years from now having to, to – um, feel badly about the stories you participated in that you knew at the time were manufactured or were creating mayhem or were deliberately um, misleading, right? Like we all make mistakes yeah. and we get things wrong. Uh, and now that we all have what I would have killed for, you know, when I was a, a, becoming a broadcaster many, many years ago, my own broadcast network, um, now that we all have access to do incredible good and incredible harm at speeds faster than any human could have conceived of 10 years ago, I think everybody in the content creation distribution ecosystem has to say to themselves, why am I doing this? Mm. And, and, and who am I impacting? And like, for instance, the narrative around that uh, North America is tyrannical or, the, or Canada is a tyrannical society. I will fight against that every time I see that shit because people who have never traveled maybe don't understand what other societies are like. I mean, I lived in Japan, Dean, lovely country, really, really loved it. Had to do cultural sensitivity training before a week before I went because it's so different culturally. 
And one of the things I had to learn was where you lead, I will follow, what you feed, I will swallow. Because individualism, especially in a patriarchal structure, this is going back 30 years, was not cool. So I had to like leave my North American orientation to fighting for myself and my kid. Can you imagine me in that society? Right. <laughs> it, was, it was. I can't imagine someone giving you something to eat. You going, I don't think I want to do this. And then looking at you going, you have to eat it. And you saying, yeah, no problem. I just to, can't imagine it. Well, you go to a restaurant and the, the senior yeah. men. There's a respect thing, right? But yeah. he orders for everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we ate what was ordered. Right. Mm -hmm. I got food poisoning from Katsudon because my stomach couldn't take the pork dish. Um, but the point is it, it, they had loudspeakers that told us we had to get up and do Taiso and they had speakers go out when kids should like be heading home. This is not what I grew up with. It was very, very different. And it's still a very free society. And those things might've changed since, but I also found the people really lovely. There was a lot less violence. It felt very communal. I, I, I grew to love a lot of it by the time I left. Um, and then when I came into the LA airport, even though we had a week to, to reorient in Tokyo, I came into the LA airport, I was living in Okinawa and I cried. I cried when the, when the LA security at the airport with their drug sniffing dogs for international flights came up to us. Cause in months I hadn't heard anyone speak to me below a soft tone, right? Excuse me, not a song, you know, yeah. I hadn't heard anyone yell. They weren't yelling. They were just talking like American security guards, but I was culturally desensitized to it. So I felt like, why am I going to yell that? What's with the, like I cried, like what? Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. so the point I'm making is this, when people think that Canada is not free, when people think that journalists here aren't being treated well, um, when they think that, you know, some of these narratives that we are uh, like, it's absolute bullshit. We live in one of the freest, most, uh, I, and I know the U.S. has different libel and slander laws, and in some ways they're more free with their free speech. But we live in one of the most free, most, um, you know, respected, successful, healthy countries on the planet. Democratic. And, when, and yep. when I democratic and when I hear people say that, like somebody on Twitter today said to me, you know, Laura, you so up into homelessness. What about the money that went to Ukraine? Couldn't that be used for Canadians? And I'm like, well, it is being used for Canadians. Geopolitics is being used for diplomacy, which means our security, which means our position. It means the protection of the Western uh, democracies, which means that every freedom you enjoy, including the freedom to help the homeless, will be taken away if we lose that. Right. So, yeah, no. Hello. That money is well spent. But uh, my point is, is that if you don't know, if you don't travel, if you don't understand, um, then you have this you can buy into this bullshit. So mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a proliferation of bullshit out there. I just asked for all of the content creator distributors in this ecosystem, whether you got a TikTok or whatever. Think about it. You know, because what you're saying will impact people. It'll impact their heart and their mind and their children and how they view our society and then what they fear and then what they do in response to that fear, which mm -hmm. might be look for authoritarian because that's the solution to fear based marketing. Right. Is sure. that, forget all the rules. Forget all the stuff. I want somebody in there who can bully the bad guys for me. And if they bully me, that's a price I'm willing to pay to not be taken over. So we need to consciously dean as content creators say to ourselves you know what where should the focus be the clock is ticking it is fucking ticking right mm -hmm. and for anyone in your audience who's in the u.s or anywhere else in the world like pay attention we are under 10 months from finding out whether or not the global norm is going to change and if the global norm changes and the biggest most powerful military country and biggest economy in the history of the world 
uh, takes an authoritarian bent for the first time in its history, then we are fucked. No, you know what? There are, I think there are 41 major elections globally this year. That means 4 billion people are going to cast their vote. But the one that matters the most is what happened in the U.S. Because they have the biggest, most powerful military and economy in the history of the world. It's not even close. It's it's not even close. All the other countries together and what they spend isn't even a a dime to the U.S. You get somebody in there. You know what Trump's lawyers said yesterday in court when they're they're trying to – sorry, I don't want to take the whole podcast. The appeal? No, please. That's why we're here. Well, what they said yesterday was they are trying to fight at the at the D.C. district level. Uh, they're trying to fight before it goes to the Supreme Court, whether or not Trump should have complete autonomy immunity immunity for his entire time as president. And so for those of us who grew up learning about American politics, checks and balances, we understand that actually, no, the president's not above the law, not a king. That was the whole point right, of George mm-hmm. Washington. So it's like, OK. Um, they are now currently in court, and the argument that they're making is that anything that the president did in his time as president, even after he lost the election before he left the next January, uh, is not accountable to the law, right? Mm-hmm. Unless he was impeached by the Congress and the Senate. Unless there's a political impeachment, the, the rule of law doesn't apply. And I'm summarizing. But the judge pushed back and said, so if he got SEAL Team 6 to go out and assassinate one of his political opponents, another leader, uh, there'd be no accountability for that? And they're like, well, not if he wasn't impeached. And if that doesn't shock the shit out of everybody who just heard that sentence coming out of my mouth, I mean, more Joe Scarborough this morning said, for those of you who didn't hear it while you were chewing on your cereal, you know, those yummy, crunchy, whatever cereals, finish your crunch so your ear holes are working. Uh, you just had somebody who's who's the leader on a ticket um, for one of the two parties and has a 50-50 shot of winning and becoming the most powerful man on earth again say the rule actually of law does not apply to me. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing for some tin pot dictator or some small country dictator to feel that way. There's lots of those out there do terrible things. Doesn't have 10,000 nuclear warheads that he can name right. anywhere he wants, though. And the biggest, most powerful military yeah. and economy on earth. Yeah. So. Uh, like, so the stuff that's happening in Canada, I'm not cool with. I don't love it. And I hope everyone watching, you know, shout out to, you know, if if your buddy David's watching, um, think about it. Just think about it. Just think about the narratives. Think about the consequences. Think about what it's a bigger part of. Think about the bigger global structure. You know, Canada is not uh, as bad as a lot of people are trying to make it. I am very critical of the state of homelessness in this country. 200,000 Canadians are living on the street that we know of, and that is absolutely obscene. And I tweeted the other day, it's not that I don't blame Trudeau in part. Pandemic happened. You got some greedy premiers across the country not dedicating their health care funding dollars, trying to privatize the system by enfeebling it, right? There's a lot of shit going on, but the prime minister can always do more, and he's not done enough. Now there's wartime housing. Great, but not enough. Um, but I also think that Pierre Polyev would make it worse because I don't even think that there's that basic level of caring about the crisis, right? There isn't. So Safe I supply, don't... homelessness. I mean, he derides both both of those communities, right? Anybody who's a drug addict, anybody who's homeless, right. He, right. he repeats talking points that are authoritarian in nature. And we're seeing in Edmonton today them cleaning out some indigenous camps. And it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. And, you know you know what got me on this beat in the sense that in my head, like if you if you want to say I'm on a homeless beat, I'm on a homeless beat as a former journalist, is that uh, in Hamilton, uh, in the pouring rain, in the pouring fucking freezing rain in like a week or two before Christmas a few years ago, they 
dismantled an encampment that was set up at city hall in our giant forecourt. And I will say, Dean, I got that Hamilton sign built. <laughs> you know, I was, I was my campaign. I got, there were other people who helped, but like, you know, drove that shit. I care about that sign. I care about what it represents to the world. And when I saw them show up in the rain with a fucking like garbage truck and big bin, and they took the belongings of people, people who those are their only belongings, that one picture they had, that doll they had, that piece of their mother who died that they had, their their stuff from their tents were dumped in a fucking garbage can. There was a Hamilton artist, David Brace, who painted a picture of it. I think it's an oil on canvas. Um, and, it, and it makes me cry to this day. Mm. So like, how are we treating humans like that? Like, who the fuck are you to take away? The, as my neighbor, who's an immigrant, he was a refugee, actually, 50 years ago. Uh, he's from a war country. He said, you know what, Laura, the poor can't get poorer. Like, they are, there's, they have nothing. What yeah, you we, can't have less than being homeless. What you? are we doing? What are know. we doing? Judging them, pushing, you know what they do in Rome? Because I was in Europe this summer, and I wanted to find out. Like, how, how's everybody Italians, having? I'm pretty sure Italians, like, help the homeless. Like, they'll give them rides places. Oh, they, like, feed what? them. You know, right. you know what they said? So I was looking at like their, their conversation locally because I was I was observing. There's not a lot of, I don't see a lot of homelessness on the streets. Sure. Um, and so one guy said, you know what, in, in Italy, why should you starve? Everyone's got pizza they can give you. Like some people just walk up to a restaurant and they're hungry, they get a slice of pizza, right? Like the, and they talked about, you know, that they look at the issue around the uh, loneliness and isolation as being what they really, you know, they worry about. They're very family oriented, very community oriented. They're very concerned about that. But where we're pushing homeless people from tent to tent, okay, like Hamilton's got this idiotic bylaw, 10 feet apart or whatever. And like, like all this shit we're doing to try to manage it without actually looking at the issue. You know what they do in Rome? They realize that in Rome, and I think throughout Italy, that tons and tons of people come through their train stations, right? And rather than chasing out all these homeless people who set up in their train stations and these giant cavernous things with lots of hallways and, you know, warm weather, rather than chase them out, what they do is they build rooms in the train stations where they can get a shower, they can charge their phone, which for a lot of homeless people is their only connection to any kind of security uh, or any or anything. Uh, they charge their phones, they bring in social services, they give them dignity, they give them a place to get a good night's sleep. I mean, what are we doing in mm. Canada that we are constantly trying to push them further to the fringes? Like, how far can we push? Why don't we just do what Italy does? Feed them if they're hungry, help them if they're in front of you. Like, you know, it makes me insane. So back to my point, and I'm not like as traveled as some people watching this, but I've traveled a bit. And I can tell you that the solutions are out there. We don't need to constantly drive ourselves crazy trying to figure them out. Learn best practices, other places, adopt the things that work. You know, Finland's done a really good job around homelessness. Let's learn housing first and see if we can apply it with a Canadian version of it. Like, let's stop doing these things that are hurting people and driving them and, and causing me heartache. And everyone who I think, as my daughter said yesterday, because she helps with um, with feeding people who are hungry on the weekends. She said, Mom, it's easy to think of homeless people as a group until you meet them. And now I'm thinking about all of them in this weather as individuals. Mm, right? mm. Like she said, she's 13. From the mouth of babes, right? Like 13 years old. And she's like, hey, listen, I just, I, I, these people have been castigated so much in yeah. my mind. Yeah, but now she knows them, right? They, like, they, they've just been this this gray color in my life. And you go exactly. meet these people and they're red, they're green, they're orange, they're blue, exactly. they're black, they're pink. They've got personalities. They've got 
hopes and dreams. They've got hurts. They've, they're, they're human humans. like us. They're humans. They're not homeless. They are humans who, for whatever reason, are living in a situation where they need our compassion and support. Mm. So Trudeau, step the fuck up. Ford, step the fuck up. Andrea Horvath, step the fuck up. Mary Olivia Chow, every single one of you who has power, and not just power, but power in your home tonight, watching this, you know, warmth, a bed, think about what it would be like not to. You know, I was worried when I heard the weather forecast going to be minus seven. I'm like, how can I keep my daughter warm when we're out there in the park? And then I thought, there are mothers like me with daughters like her who are living rough, who are saying, how do I make it through the next five hours in this cold, right? How do I feed my daughter and where do we sleep tonight that we're not victimized or we're not at risk? Mm -hmm. So, you know, fuck all of us, Dean, that think that we are better than them or that we couldn't end up there or that we don't have a responsibility as a society to make this priority number one. Like, I want to get through this winter with nobody dying on the street. That, that would make me happy. You know, and I would prefer Polyev and all these other content creators and providers focus on the lives of hundreds of thousands of our neighbors who are going to die in depression era. They're in depression era food lines. You know what it's like to see a food line start hours before you set up your food service and they're around the block and it never, the line never fucking ends. And they're all starving. And you know what? They're begging us. extra containers of rice hmm. in Canada. Hmm. So. Yeah, you mean it. It's okay. It's I get it. I appreciate you. Sickening. It is. Right. It is. So. It is, and we're, we're, we're sitting around here, right? Um, right? You're better angels out there like yourself. You're no, not I'm not a better angel. I just jumped on. I know you're not. Hey, listen, I said it, not you. I'm taking you out of the conversation here. I'm, I'm blowing you up now. Okay, so a minute. Um, they want to talk about the things we need. They want to talk about the human beings we could help. And those things we need and those human beings that we could help are being turned into viral memes. Right. They're being turned into um, kitchen table issues. They're being vilified. They're being castigated. They're being uh, shown as useless, needless to society. These people need to go to jail. You've got you know, one side saying that these people are unwanted and they're an eyesore and they decrease property value wherever they are. Conservatives on the other side, you've got liberals going, yeah, we need to do more, but they're doing nothing. You know, we, we and I can tell you they do nothing because we have this problem of 200,000 plus people in this country that are trying to figure it out while they live on sewer grades. Like, listen, it's going to be in, in Edmonton, Calgary, yeah. Western Canada this week. It's going to be between minus 30 and minus 50. Right. Okay. And you and I lived out west. We know you can barely survive that with a fucking home. That's right. You got to plug your car in at night. Yeah. Right. And that's a piece of metal that won't start in the morning if it gets that cold. What about these human beings? Right. And right. and so when I think about the world that we, you and I operate in, the media world, the PR world, the narrative world, yeah. there's a lack of accountability for anybody in, in, that isn't saying what you're saying or isn't advocating to do the right thing for the human beings that are being used as political cudgels. Uh, to drive narrative or to help other people make money and and to help with like political advertising. Like I haven't seen any, I don't know if you have, I know you go and you stand in these bread lines, you go and help. How many MPs have come down to help? How many mayors have come down to help? How many people that, that get taxpayer salaries have come down to, and I'm, this is a question for you, have come down to make sandwiches, give rice, try to physically help figure out what the issue is. How many? 
So you know what, Dean? When I initially heard about this massive line in Hamilton from an Osho viewer, sent me a photo. I go, what the hell is that? Like, that's where I had my, my engagement photos taken. I've never, I know there's poverty and I've done documentaries on the homelessness down there years ago, but I'd never seen anything like that line, right? So I was like, I don't understand. It looks like, like, is this a one-off thing? Is this a Christmas thing? Is this a depression era soup line? Like, what am I looking at? So I reached out, you know, and I talked to the organizer who was a guy who was an executive who decided to take a break from his executive job so he could spend more time with his family and was walking through that part of the city on uh, during the pandemic, saw people starving and freezing to death and said, you know what, called up a bunch of his buds and said, you know what, we just got to come down on Saturday and feed these people. Uh, thought it would only go for a couple of months. And then on the last of the three months, saw an individual come up to him, a senior, a woman and say, um, can you help me? And he goes, oh, you've been here all day. Like, do you, you look like you're fine. Like, what do you need? And she goes, no, I, I have no food, but I didn't want to take from others. So he said to his friends, you know, that we're not stopping. Three years later, now there is close to a thousand people in that lineup. So uh, the reason I'm not going to tell you who I've seen and who I haven't seen down there is because I said to this individual, who this, this incredible man, Jeffrey, uh, he said, you know what, his interest is not politics, his interest is creating a community to safely care for people. And now they give out all kinds of toiletries. They give, I, I even heard from the SPCA who saw one of my posts and said, we want to contact Jeffrey to see what we can do for the pets of the homeless, right? So I'm, I'm not going to call out who is or isn't showing up because it's not political. We're at a point in our country where, you know, put your politics aside. And if you can, and my family just started and we're not saints, like this has not been part of our life until like a few weeks ago. I just happened to have a broadcast platform where I, or a platform where I can talk about it. Um, and some of my show viewers showed up and were serving food with me in the line um, this past week. Uh, like if you're watching all of this in Canada and you're worried and you're stressed and you're frustrated and you're pissed off and you're buying all this or you're whatever, see if you can volunteer locally, mm. like one, one shift, just one shift, just mm -hmm. one shift. Mm -hmm. And the people that you meet, right? The people who come up to you, the things that they say, you're like, holy cow, you remind me of my friend, my grandmother, my sister, my brother, my cousin. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> right? Like what have, I, what have I believed, you know? What, uh, there was a woman who was a beautiful young blonde woman. She was in a wheelchair. I didn't realize she was an amputee until she was right in front of me. And she said, you know, do you have, um, she said, do you have any of that pasta? Do you think in uh, the meal that I'm going to get? And I said, you know, I can't guarantee it. You know, we, we go through so much food, whatever you get, you'll get. And she goes, it doesn't matter, actually. It's all wonderful. And I'm looking at her going, you're freezing. You're probably living in homelessness or some precarious, dangerous situation. You're an amputee and you're out here. I'm, I'm bundled up and I'm freezing. And how cold are you waiting in this line for hours? And you're, you're saying it doesn't matter. It's all wonderful with a heart of gratitude. Like I want one minute of my life to be as good a person as she is. Right. One minute of my soul to be. But, that, she's, that but you know what? Here's the thing is that she is living rock bottom every day. Right. Huh. And. To be grateful when you're in rock bottom, I've got some rock bottom experiences, some good ones too. Yeah. Um, to be grateful for rock bottom when you're in it is a special superpower, you know. And again, I go back to the castigation of, of those groups, and you run into that lady, you know, and you you get up, up in the morning. So let me just do a, a fake Laura Babcock sitch, Ken. <laughs> Laura Babcock gets up. That was there's no more. There's no more creamer. Her husband's used the creamer in his hair because he's got beautiful hair. He's got a cream of hair. So there's no more hair, right? And he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, look at my hair. You're like, that's great. My fucking coffee creamer's gone. And right. you're mad all morning. 
and you're yeah. resentful. You get yeah. in a car and it smells like farts because Mr. Hare farted in the car last night and it sticks around in the cold, right? And then you get in the car, you're like, that guy, whatever, my my marriage, my husband. And then go, and you get to the coffee shop and you grab a coffee and it's too hot. You get mad because the coffee shop's too hot. And you get to this food line and you're like, oh, I got to put in four hours feeding all these degenerates, these amputees, these people live on the street. And then you have that one interaction with one person. And then you look at them and you consider the problems you had that morning and you go, I suck yeah. at life. Yeah. I suck at this. Yeah. This person is living a nightmare. And they got a smile on their face and they're happy to get some cornbread. They're happy to get a little bowl of pasta. doesn't yeah. matter to them. They just taught me about what is grateful. They taught me about needs being wants and how to get caught up in the petty shit. And we sit here and we have these conversations in our entitled expose, right? We sit here and we go, that's easy for us. But can you put your money where your mouth is as a human being? Can you help somebody else? And can that experience you have with that person change your perspective on how terrible your life isn't, right? right? Can you do that? And to your point, there are a lot of people out there that look at the entirety of a situation and go, I can't do it. Like if someone said, hey, do you think you could eat a whole cow? You'd go, not a chance. But they don't realize it happens one burger at a time. Or can you cure homelessness? No, I can't. But it doesn't realize you can cure one person's day. You can help one person eat. You can give one person a conversation. You can do that. You can do that. And if there are 200,000 homeless people in this country of 40 million people, if just 5% of us went out of our way once once because we all had that personal conviction of making the world around us a little bit of a better place or to be of good character or to help another human being in need we would cure homelessness together in an after fucking noon and isn't that how it's always been in the history of time yeah right i mean one of my favorite parables as a kid or stories was uh stone soup i loved it from the marketing perspective of coming in and creating this you know uh we got excellent soup here we just need your carrot right when all they had was stone yeah. um but the idea that people in the village added to the soup uh and everyone got a good soup by the end of it right so i mean that's how it's always been and we as a society decided a number of years ago that we were going to pay government representative democracy give them our tax dollars our hard-earned money and they would not only you know do our security and other things but they would create systems that nobody would have to be standing in long lines like that on a saturday um, those systems have collapsed uh, or we wouldn't be in this situation and so you know somebody said to me when they saw my post who followed my family for years she said this will change you on a cellular level mm. and, and i haven't forgotten that post and i thought and she wasn't judging how you know, I lived before or whatever. She said, this will change your family. She said on a cellular level. And the other day I said to my daughter, you know, uh, Saturday afternoon, do you want to do art class? Do you want to go see my daughter, you know, went through the pandemic like every other teenager. And, and so I get my kids a lot of care and because I can afford it and whatever. And so I said, would you, would you want to go talk to a therapist? Do you want to go to art class? She goes, mom, I want to go down and um, hand out cookies to the people in that line. Cause when I'm with them, I don't think about myself. You know, I'm I'm meeting them. Oh, and, living out of self. So what what you're saying is, yeah, what you're saying is, is that in your situation, your daughter has realized something that 99% of this country doesn't realize, which is when you help other people, you're living out of self. Right. You're doing that. You're doing this for you. It it, it is its own reward. 
right? Totally. It's not talking about it. It's doing it as its own reward. And I've done a lot of stuff through the O show for years and years where I thought I was helping my community and I've done, I've won awards for it and all that good stuff, but I have never felt better at the end of a three hour anything than I do when I leave. My muscles are sore, I'm freezing, but all the faces of the people that all the com, all the community, all the love in that space. So I'm just saying to your audience, because I've heard from a lot of people who do a lot of this that I didn't realize, right? They see my post, and they go, well, did you know, like the woman at the Tim Hortons the other day said to me that her and her boyfriend collect sweaters and bring them to places, right? Into encampments. And one woman told me she picked up a warm turkey at a Fortino's or whatever at a superstore and brought it uh, to someone in an encampment and got to know. So there are all kinds of Canadians that are doing this who don't have my profile and who have been doing it a lot longer than I have. All I can say, Dean, is that the impact on my family has been incredibly positive. And my son is going to start doing prep cooking for them because he works weekends. Um, and, you know, my husband wants to go down there. He's a, he's a camera guy. He's used to all tell, kinds tell, of tell, You warn those people at that soup kitchen yeah. not to let him put creamer in his excellent hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but your point is exactly right. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm a changed person. I'm saying that. I still have days where I'm incredibly entitled and bitchy and, and, and you know, and, and, and whatever. They say that you want to see the most angry people in the world look at the first class boarding at an airline, right? There's a point where we get to where we have so much that we expect everything to be perfect. And then you talk about that woman who was uh, that amputee and that who was an, had, had an amputation. She's not an amputee. She's a person, but uh, was in that wheelchair. And you say, at what level should I be freaking out about this? So just to bring it back with a bow, which is what we do, um, when I see people going, oh, you know, Canada's not free, it's a tyranny, you know, uh, journalists aren't true, all that shit, that hyperbolic shit that makes people get fearful and angry and make bad choices. Like, I just encourage everyone watching this. Just Go work at a soup kitchen? Just for one, one shift, yeah. one, three hours. Seriously. And then and then walk back and say, there's a lot I should be upset about in this country, but it ain't that shit. It's it's how do we get more dollars towards this instead of a $500,000 or whatever it is fucking spa at a secret spa casino thing that Ford wants that nobody like there's money in this country. It's just not going to these people. So let's let's just meet the people and go, hey, you know what? I would really love it. <laughs> love it if ODSB, uh, people who have disabilities, get enough to feed themselves. That would be fucking a good start. Let's start there. And then, you know what would be great? Rent controls back on apartments, please, Mr. Ford, so that people who have been managing to pay their rent now who are on the street after 40 years of living in manageable poverty. And afford rent again could fucking have shelter right so so you know there are there like there is stuff we can immediately do to make this situation a lot better but i i highly encourage everybody to just actually meet the people who are now finding themselves in lines for food on a saturday for hours in canada i can't i can't i mean one guy said to me he goes is that turkey or chicken I said, I'm not sure, sir. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got all kinds of stuff coming through. Uh, it's a major production. All these, it's all volunteer, no government money, just carloads full of people cooking and everything else. And I said, I don't know what's, what's coming up. And he said, it doesn't matter. I've eaten pigeon. Right. Mm. And, and I was like, okay, well, you know what, whatever birds coming down the line, we're not going to serve you pigeon, but if you're living on the street and you're hungry. Right. And he didn't say it with any kind of shame. He said it like practically, well, I've eaten pigeon. It's a, whatever it is, it'll be fine. Yeah. Bird's a bird to him, right? Bird's a bird to a lot of people and, and to, to a lot of those people, it's just a blessing, right? You know, just having a bite to eat. 
And it's funny because we we look at those blessings in our first world days, right? Like food right. or a, like a warm house, yeah. uh, cable, Wi-Fi, right. um, coffee, right. a, a coffee maker. And somehow we don't consider any of that when we're really mad about things that don't work out for us right. and the things that don't work out for us. Like, oh, my, my flight to the Bahamas is delayed by three hours. Ah, uh, ah, uh, I can't believe I got dinged 0.2 cents for carbon tax on my gas. Ah, uh, like and then we rage and we give away our shame and we give away our minds all the time and we and then and then we think about some poor guy who's just finished having some kind of pigeon delight in the park showing up to maybe get a warm meal yeah. right For and we go only meal of the week their only meal of the week their only meal of the week even yeah. worse and that's got to change you if it doesn't change you you are a soulless individual so i'm glad there are people out there like you you don't, you don't know that you are until you see differently, right? So I'm not judging anyone watching this, Dean, who hasn't done a soup line or hasn't dealt with or met someone in encampment or someone living in homelessness or someone living in, in that kind of poverty. Um, because it's kind of, it, it's always been here in Canada for sure, yeah, yeah. but it hasn't been nearly as prevalent and as obvious as it is now. So for many of us, we're kind of going, what is happening, right? So we might be on the, on the just the, the beginning of our awareness of this, and there is no judgment for anybody who is listening to this and saying, well, you know, this, that, the other thing. All I'm saying is. Oh, I'm judging them. You don't have to. I'm full on judging those people. Okay. But, but I've been guilty until like three weeks ago when I actually went down to check out what was going on. So, so my point is like, wherever you're at, whatever you believe, whatever you think Canada is in a state of whatever, meet Canadians who are in this level of need and by all means be pissed as hell at the situation, um, but also think about, okay, what is the accurate situation here? Why is this happening? Years of not investing in housing, years of, of privatization and, 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 and underpaying social services, years of a pandemic, right? Does Trudeau take some blame? Sure. Is Polyev gonna fix it? I haven't seen any evidence of that, and I'm really concerned that that will make it worse. So what I'm saying is that, Take a moment to meet some of these folks that you're angry about or you're railing about or you think are, you know, blah, blah, blah. Meet some refugees if you can, you know, understand what they wanted when they came to Canada. And I bet you it wasn't to sit in a food line. So that's probably they never believed that would even be a possibility. Like or how to live in a church basement with 20 other families. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, what? And it might have been my guest on the Osho a few weeks ago, who's an expert in this, uh, Rashad, uh, who said this to me, but like there's not a family that that wins the lottery to come to Canada or a person as a refugee from a horrible situation. We can't even conceive of. I can't even conceive of. I haven't been to 90% of the world where things are much, much worse. Um, they come from there. They show up here. And the last thing they would think of is that they would have to wait in a food line or live in a church basement or sit outside in the rain, waiting for someone to tell them how they can work. So, you know, to blame their experience of our system on them is crazy and or, or, or it's just, just it's crazy in the sense of it upsets me but it's not crazy what else do you know until you meet them and talk to them right and i'm sure my friends who have been homeless advocates for years are laughing watching this going lords you know i'm glad you finally went down there but the point is i have now mm -hmm. and so we can as oprah once said you're going to honor where you are 
this is where I am now. This is what I've seen now. And I can't wait every week to get back there. You know, you're like Hamilton's Oprah. You're the Oprah of Hamilton. <laughs> oh my God, whatever. But all I'm saying, Dean, is that like you have to, I just want people watching who are getting upset about all the shit we're talking about, which is all very upsetting. Fascism's on the rise. That's horrifying. Eh, lots of gross stuff going on in this country. Um, but let's, let's train our guns towards the targets that matter, which is not false narratives about false tyranny. It's actual systemic poverty, poorly. It's action. Yeah, it's going to help where you can fill a gap, where you can try and see, you know, and, and it might be you helping out as a soup kitchen. It might be you right. literally tweeting help for somebody, right. uh, literally repeating some of that messaging. We need right, if you still for Polyev, I don't understand why, but if you do, I respect that. If if you first get out of the get out of the the bullshit zone and get down to some well, reality. Did you say if you vote for Polyev, you still respect that? Is that what you well, said? Because if they've done if they've done the work. If, if they've, they've done the work, hang on, let me just let me just let me let me have a, let me buttress your point. But like if, if they've done the work and they arrived that he's a guy that they should vote for, then they're an idiot. Yeah. But 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 also that like you know what? I believe in democracy. So who you vote for in a democratic system, I'm not I'm glad you voted because most totally. people don't. That's why we got Doug Ford. Almost totally. nobody voted. Lowest election ever. Uh, so my point is this. If you go out and meet the people in encampments or go out and do some sort of charity work on the front lines with like the real crisis we're in. Like I'm not like it's great to do all kinds of charity, but I'm saying like try to meet the people that are like, as you said, being used as fodder in, in these, you know, in this or grist in the rage mill. Try to meet them. Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, if you've met them and you've had a chance to see how people are helping them and see what the crisis is, and you think that the best solutions are from Jagmeet or Polyev or Trudeau, uh, you know, I respect that. You've got a whole bunch of calculations when you vote. But what I don't want people to do is to vote for somebody whose main narrative has been everything sucks. And, you know, uh, you know, the common man, you're extraordinary and let's all just be angry and take over and then things will be better. Like that to me doesn't fly as a solution to rampant no. homelessness. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, anything that guy says doesn't fly in the it flies in the face of facts. Well, the Jesus flies... lighting, the Jesus lighting. Come on, Dean. You love that. Use the word messianic on Twitter a lot for a couple of days. Please tell me what's in that cocktail. What's in there? Please tell uh, me it's not just water. Oh, it's Prosecco. My day, my day starts at 6 a.m. I have to have Prosecco by now. <laughs> Laura Babcock, uh, you are a much better person than me. And no, I'm not. That's right. I don't want you to say that. I'm not. No, I'm no. Someone no. In my opinion, I'm allowed to have that opinion. I am not gaslighting a nation here. I'm just pointing out that I feel like you are a nice person and much nicer than I am. Um, Work in progress, Dean. No, we all are. We all are. But, you know, there are times where you get together with people and you have these conversations where you're talking about issues, right? And I think a lot of people that are confused right now, people are fighting their neighbors, people like, they feel like they've got to take on the issue of the world and get a result for everybody. You don't. You don't. And I want to remind you, and and you've, you've really talked about it today. What has changed my life over the past several years is very, very simple. It's real simple. What do you control and what do you not? control? What is the dichotomy of control that you're interested in? You can control your intentions. You can control your actions by and large, right? What you cannot control is how other people feel, think, or do. You can control yourself. You can't fix. Listen, I'm not going to fix homelessness. As much as Laura is trying, you are not going to fix homelessness. You're going to fix homelessness for one person in one day and one experience. 
and then you'll do it the next day and you'll do it the next day and you'll do it the next day. And that is its own reward. We're not doing this because we can't drive a result. So don't get tired, everybody. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. Because when you are tired of doing the right thing, it means you're not getting your result. Your expectations are not being met. And if your expectations are to bring in this government, get rid of that government, and that'll cure this, you're, you're literally abandoning your responsibility to be a good citizen. You're abandoning the Republic of Canada. You're abandoning these people that truly need your help. And there is no greater fruit in this life. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. There's no greater fruit in this life than to be of good character and do acts of common good, to help your neighbors, to help people. That brings about change. Yelling that those guys need to get in here because they're the only ones that are going to affect change is a lie. It doesn't work. It never has, never will. It is this pie-in-the-sky opportunity you think you're going to address by retweeting this or taking that guy's side. Listen, politics, and I will say this from the bottom of my heart, you might disagree. Politics is a business, and they are not in the business of helping you or the disenfranchised, by and large. They're in the business of getting access to that taxpayer bank card so that they can run your show, so they can... uh, they can enrich their friends. It's n- never about homeless people. It's never about fixing health care. It's never about those things. Politics is a lie. It is the scam of our lifetime. What isn't the scam of our lifetime is what helping others does for you and what it does for them. That's it. That's all that matters. Nothing else. You will affect a million times more change if you do what Laura's talking about, which is insert yourself with no expectations other than to help insert yourself into the problem, insert yourself into it and give your expertise and time in a non-judgmental way to the people that truly need you to stand up, need you to risk your privilege for them. That is the only way that we are going to be better people on a daily basis. And while we're doing that, I'm going to shitpost all the bad guys on Twitter, and Laura's going to keep talking about nice things. That's how we're going to do it. No, but you know what, Dean? I just want to, so to your point, I agree with you. Politics is, it's the business of people, but it is a business, right? And in any business, profit is a powerful motivator and power even more so. So uh, it is the system we have, though, to badly quote Churchill. You know, democracy sucks, but it's the best system we've come up with. Um, So we have to fight to protect our democracy. We have to hold those politicians to account, even if they have poor motives and their intention is not to help our neighbors. And we have to help our neighbors. I don't want people to disengage from the broader politic because you know what? It has the ability to fund ODSB, have rent controls, right? Create shelters, build houses. So they still have our money. We still need to push them while we are also hopefully making direct impact. So there, so there's the direct impact, which is highly necessary. And there is this bigger conversation that is also highly necessary. So I'm not going to dis, I'm not going to devalue the work that you do shit posting about bad actors or the work that I do trying. I just love it. You know, Uh, no, and I love it too. Uh, We're good at it. People enjoy watching us do it. We should do it. It's good for our society. Uh, Does it have as much impact on a cellular level as the experience that I've been having recently? No. Uh, but I'm not going to stop doing that because it does impact on a mass level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so yes, you can make a more of an impact on your own soul and the soul of the, uh, the, the, the experience of the other person one-on-one, a hundred percent, right? We are relational people. Um, 
do the government have tremendous power and authority to make the lives of those people better or worse by policy? Uh, yeah. So better be fucking careful who you vote for, right? Yeah. And and better hold them to account in between elections. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Laura Babcock from The O Show, Hamilton's Finest. Always great to see you. Osho.ca is where you can find her. Uh, Laura Babcock on Twitter. Is it just Laura Babcock on Twitter? Just Laura Babcock. Laura Babcock. I, am, I am not anonymous, my friend. <laughs> You're I know, I know, I know. You, uh, you do a tremendous job. Always great to chop it up with you. Um, continued Bye. success in helping the people in your community as you've done and talking about it and holding people to account. And uh, you have a wonderful Prosecco-filled Wednesday afternoon for me, please. Dude, going to do it just for you, Dean. I wouldn't right. do it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I'm Laura. So what? Okay. Yeah, girl. We'll talk to you soon. Laura Babcock, ladies and gentlemen, from the O Show. There you go. That is a smart lady. She's a very nice person, too. You know, there's there's a there's a difference between there's a difference between being nice and standing up for what you believe in, right? You, you, I think there's this opinion out there that you and, and what I love about Laura is that she's always nice, right? Until she gets into the heart of what she talks about, then she gets emotional because it means something. And it's easy to not be emotional about this, you know, whether it's homelessness, disinformation, political lies, disingenuous narratives, disingenuous people being kettled by the political ecosystem, third party advertisers, that kind of shit. Like it, it, it's different when someone has the ability to cut through and talk to the human being on the other side to say, hey, listen, tune it all out, tune it all out. What is your responsibility for humanity today? What is your intention? How are you going to help? We help in other ways that Laura helps, right? I help by making bad people angry. I just happen to enjoy it as well. I really do. I really do. Like guys like Ezra Levent, he's a bad person. He's a terrible human being and admits it. Yeah. And not only admits that he's a bad person, he also admits he's not a journalist. In a lawsuit he recently lost where he called some guy a liar, <clears throat> a Muslim gentleman a liar. He said, I'm a pundit in court. He said, I'm a pundit and entertainer. He explained to the judge, try and get out of libel charges. I don't think my entire life I've ever called myself a reporter or a journalist. That's a bad person. It's a bad person that plays both sides, confuses people, takes advantage of the less fortunate, takes advantage of people, their readers, their users. And Laura's, again, much nicer than me. And I know we, we need to make fun of the con men and not the conned. I get that. Brittle Star, a buddy of mine, said that last week. Buddy of ours. But I'm running out of patience. And I think a lot of us are. And I've seen the sea change of people saying, ah, we're not going to believe your horseshit anymore. We're not going to let you... Tell me what my reality is going to be. And listen, that happens on both sides of the equation. There are parties and, and ecosystems that want to bend reality into their favor. And unless you're tough, strong, unless you're willing to do the work, you're not going to understand what that reality is. You'll never be able to understand. You know, with let's take Rebel News as an example and what happened with David Menzies, which we talked about earlier. Let's take that as an example. You'll never understand that this is a strategy, a business strategy, unless you look into all their relationships, 
who they know, how they work, past precedent. You can understand it. Therefore, you can let it go. Like Laura said, she doesn't even pay attention to it because she knows what it is. It's just a shtick. Well, I happen to think that shtick is a little more dangerous than most people think it is. And I'm a fan of any content. No censorship. In fact, I think he should be allowed to do that. Just like, like Ezra. They should be allowed to put out whatever they want. I really believe that. But I should be allowed to mock it and call it out and show all the receipts of how shitty they are. That's what I should be allowed to do, which I'm doing. They don't have license to not be audited or checked in real time by other human beings who go, oh, hold, hold it just a second. David Menzies has been arrested nine times in the last 10 years doing that exact thing. Uh, and then they fundraise off. It's it's an operation. They admit it. He says we're not journalists, yet he's now talking about censoring of journalists, even though he's admitted several times in court, we're not journalists. We're an entertainment platform. We're liars. It's incredible. So, I love the world we live in. I love the conversation we just had. I love the minutia that we get a chance to get into. And I would love it if you and everybody else out there, including myself, looked at these things through a lens of a more critical perspective, right? Like when you see news, you see, you read something, you look at something, before you tweet it out, before you tweet out this thing that's like, teachers shouldn't be allowed to talk to students if they get beat by their parents, that kind of stuff. You, you need to consider the source. You need to read it. You need to look at it. When someone's willing to tell you that homelessness isn't a problem, neither is climate change, you should probably read other things, maybe consult other people, maybe talk to people like Laura Babcock. Tell me about homelessness, Laura. Well, I was just brought to tears by Laura Babcock because I asked her the question about what's important to her. She couldn't believe that someone was just super, super happy to have rice. And she was also super, super sad that someone needs rice in Canada and can't get it. Those are better angels. Follow them. She says she's not, but she is. Trust me. Better angels, better people. Those are the brands you need to follow. People that do the right thing for humanity. People who do the right thing for the neighbor. People that will do those things. And people that don't look up and go, well, let's get those guys to do it for us. No, do it yourself. Be a good human being yourself. Thanks, Laura Babcock, for being here. Thanks, everybody, for taking time to join us today. We appreciate it. As always, everything we do is at crier.co. Please check it out. Dean Blundell on YouTube. You can watch this. Cryer Media on YouTube. If you subscribe to either, I'd appreciate it. Leave a nice review. Uh, and you can get us anywhere you get your podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. And every single day, we're at Cryer Media. Cryer.co. Uh, as always, brought to you by our friends at Cantork. Making rugged, hardworking torque wrenches. Canada's leading industrial tool experts offering you the very best in sales service, rentals, calibration, maintenance, and custom fabrication of industrial torque tools. They're reliable. They manufacture in Canada. They do this for industries around the world, heavy industry around the world. It could be railroad, machine, heavy machinery, sheet metal, the metal industry, nuclear industry, forestry industry. It doesn't matter. They're up in the oil sands. Of course, they're located in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm proudly Canadian. They manufacture, design, and take care of all your torque wrenches right here in this beautiful country of ours, Canada. They're out of Edmonton, Alberta. They're all solutions under one roof. Tool rentals, calibration services, repairs to custom fabrication and distribution opportunities. Cantorque offers a complete range of services and products, making your one-stop shop destination for all your bolting needs, saving you time, effort, and hassle. Go to cantorque.com. Brand new website today brought to you by our friends at Muse Massage Spa. 
20 minutes off, 45-minute sessions from now until the end of January. Go to Muse Massage Spa for more details. But more importantly, download their app. Or excuse me, their podcast. Their app is coming. Yeah, that's right. These ladies are entrepreneurs. Emily and Riley are wonderful people. They own the number one massage spa in the entire country. It's located in Toronto, 1290 Finch Avenue West. But their podcast is Lights Out. Um, you can get it right now at Muse on the Mic, museonthemic.com. You can go to anywhere you get your podcast, download the Muse on the Mic podcast, and you can also get them on Patreon again. Uh, or just go to musemassagespa.com. Check them out there. And as always, brought to you by Gitch, any level of performance. That's what these underwear are engineered for, as well as everyday life. And right now, if you use promo code GITCH and then the number three, you'll buy one, buy three, and get one free. They've got four packs. They've got singles. They come in black, purple, red. I believe yellow is also in season right now. Orange is not bad. I prefer black camouflage, just in case there's a problem. Uh, And right now, if you go to edgefineimports.com, order four pairs of GITCH with the promo code GITCH3. You get one for free, plus Give me your email address at checkout, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. Go to edsfineimports.com. Clothing for men and boys. Massive online store as well. Check them out today. That's it for us. Have a great day, everybody. Appreciate you being here. Again, don't forget to rate, subscribe, whatever it is that you have to do to say thanks uh, or not. I'm easy. It would be nice if you said something nice. See you tomorrow with Lachlan. Bye, everybody. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. the blue hotel I want to live at the blue hotel the podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares it's for the open minded the pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.